You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh. Sometimes you have to bow to the absurd. And I'm Ari. And now quote me a little of that poetry. And today we will be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Up the Long Ladder and Manhunt. But first, uh, there's some big uh, Star Trek news. Um, They just announced for season three of Star Trek Picard that the entire cast of The Next Generation is coming back for uh, the show's uh, grand farewell. Uh, Well, everyone except Will Wheaton and uh, Diana Muldar, but... You know, we don't need Diana. <laughs> Listen, Will Wheaton is busy doing the, the ready room uh, after show specials where he, you know, has the big geeky smile on his face as he interviews all of his best friends. Uh, <laughs> that sounds amazing, so, actually. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it that we don't know much uh, else other than that. They had like one shot, like one bit of footage where there was Picard and, and Riker holding phasers at something. And that, but that's all we saw. But I'm I'm actually interested to see what they do with Worf because they redesigned the Klingons uh, in Star Trek Discovery. Oh yeah, they did. You told me that, so I wonder what he's going to look like. I, I think he's probably still just going to look like himself. They might, you know, uh, use a higher quality mold for it just because you know it's being filmed for 4K TV and all that. So right, would, yeah. You, you want to make sure it doesn't look up close like it is because, you know, you can tell in this show with the, the restoration. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can see exactly where like the the uh, the latex of the headpiece is like glued in and, and blended over. Yeah, you, and, you, can. Know, you don't, you don't want to do that for the new one. You want to have something looking a little better since uh, we're going to be getting, I guess, a uh, finale to TNG in Star Trek Picard. I figured we might as well mention that uh, after we get through TNG, probably we're going to do the movies. And then before we move on to another series, we're going to go ahead and do Picard because it's just Yeah, I think seasons. that's a good plan. Since now it seems to be the like capstone or whatever to mm-hmm. TNG, it feels like we really should just go straight from there, from here to there. And then we can decide where we go from there, which will probably yeah. be Deep Space nine <laughs> that would be my preference I yeah <laughs> i think that's what we've talked about yeah um yeah i'm pretty excited to see where the picard thing goes because i'm fully invested now that we've almost two seasons through and i think it'll be really cool yeah now i mean uh, I, i'm sure some people will be like no don't do picard because it's kind of uh, a lot of people don't like that show and i think the first season of the show is actually my least favorite season of star trek but you know um i think i think this new season's getting better and we'll see where it goes good it's okay if it's bad too because we can have fun mocking bad stuff as well and you know it's okay you know what's it's so easy for me to like bad media with characters i care about which is why i can like like star wars movies that people don't like and stuff is Uh because i'm like yes but this is more lore and more stories and more backstory and look at those ships we've never seen before you know and stuff like that i get really excited about that kind of stuff so i feel like there's some value to picard anyway yeah i would rather have bad star trek than no star trek yeah exactly i mean we are kind of in this huge star trek renaissance like i just i was having to watch a preview for strange new worlds while i was waiting for my episode that i pay for yeah, <laughs> I was kind of irritated about that, but um, I was like, I was watching it and I was like, actually, this looks really good, too. Like, I oh, really want to watch that one, too. Yeah, yeah I, that one's going to be amazing. And we're just a couple weeks away from it. Um, So I'm excited. As far as the podcast goes, I don't think we're doing anything with that, though, because we'd have to put a big like pause on TNG. And I don't think we want to do that. Right. No, we'll just. Uh, and, you know, I've got my YouTube channel where I'll be reviewing all those episodes as they yeah. come out. So, yeah. OK. 
pop over there if you want to hear about it. That sounds great. But today we're going to talk about Up the Long Ladder, which is the 18th episode of the second season. It aired on the 22nd of May, 1989. It was written by Melinda M. Snodgrass and directed by Winrich Colby. Boy, uh, I gotta say, it was a really ballsy move doing such an offensive Irish stereotype when you have Colin Meany on set. That was my first thought. I was like, they saw this episode and they were like... That guy can be in Far and Away. Because <laughs> I was like, why is Far and Away happening on the Enterprise? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> um, actually, I, it's, I, I, it's my understanding that Colin Meany, uh, who plays uh, uh, O'Brien uh, behind the scenes, was just like, what is this? This is so offensive. It <laughs> seems so doing? offensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then he was in he was in Far and Away. So I don't know that he really two years later. So I don't know that he really has a lot of room to talk there. But I mean, because he played some offensive Irish stereotypes in that movie, I thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I uh, I I just it was an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> so, um. The episode starts, they get an SOS to, uh, but it's like an old signal. It's from like the 22nd century Earth. And it's just like, you know, um, they they don't have any real records of like a ship from that era having gotten out this far. So they're like, oh, well, let's investigate and take a look. And meanwhile, (laughs) while they're doing that, uh, Worf gets like uh, (laughs) COVID-1701. Yeah. He has like indigestion and falls on the he's there. He's like sitting there going. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's going on? And there's this weird music and everybody's ignoring it. And then Worf just falls is like on the ground. They come back. It was weird. And it's funny, too, because like, you know, um, that that bit gets resolved, like right at the beginning of the episode. And then like there's no real reference to it later in the show. It just felt like. Because like he and he and Pulaski have just a little tiny arc where he deals with that sickness, but then it, it just doesn't get addressed again. Um, but what it did do was it did establish a little bit of a rapport between those two, because uh, when uh, Pulaski examines him, finds out that he has a uh, Klingon childhood illness and he's just like, well, that's humiliating. Don't <laughs> tell anyone about that. And Pulaski's just like, oh, she like lies to the captain and says, no, Worf was trying to fast, but he forgot he has to lower his his energy expenditure with his reduced caloric intake. So he, you know, he should be more offended by her trying to give that stupid explanation <laughs> that he'd be dumb enough to do that than he has childhood measles. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was so offended for him that that was her. <laughs> well, he, but he he wasn't. He actually he he was quite pleased and uh, as as a, a token of uh, gratitude for Pulaski uh, lying to save his uh, feelings, he performs the Klingon tea ceremony for her, which is apparently you know because it's Klingon, the tea is like poisonous. <laughs> he, right, just because like, everything has to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when you know for for uh, uh, on your birthday you get stuck by as many pain sticks as years you are old or something like that. <laughs> and then you drink as many cups of tea as you are old, and then you hope you make it through the night, and then you're a man. <laughs> not a man. Not a man. <laughs> not a man. That's right. He does insist that he's not a man in the next episode. But yes. anyway, Plesky makes sure to like give herself a, a, a hypo spray that, that she calls an antidote, so that she's also able to drink the poisonous tea because a Klingon can withstand it, but it'll, it'll kill a human. Right. Um, but I, I, I kind of feel like 
it, had she stayed on, like, that was, like, the beginnings of, like, a potential romance between the two of them? Because I'm not like, entirely sure that wasn't a cut to black and they did it afterwards. Because the way <laughs> she said, the way she said, now read me some of that poetry or uh-huh. recite some of that poetry or whatever. I was like, hmm, okay. And then they cut to black. I was like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Because, like. When you see it, it's like before that point, you can't really see a Pulaski Wharf thing. But here you're like, oh, you know what? No, I see it. I, I they could they yeah. could get down. Um, she you know, and you know what? Uh, Klingon sex is uh, very kinky and very violent. And so it's good to have a doctor on hand. It really is. <laughs> My favorite line, though, during that bit when he's sick before she, they have the tea ceremony is he's like, there's no need to insult me because she said that he fainted. And I yes. was like, have you met Dr. Pulaski? <laughs> she insults everyone. <laughs> she insults everybody, buddy. You're just part of the crew. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the whole B plot. It happened in the first like five minutes, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember anything else happening with the B plot. Yeah, no, I, I I wonder if there had been like uh, a scene later that was just like cut for time or something where because they yeah. mentioned the love, the Klingon love poetry, but we never see Worf recite any of that. So maybe that was in a cut scene. Maybe um, or maybe they just want to keep it a secret so we don't have to judge the poetry because it's supposed to be so good. <laughs> well, he but probably they, would have recited it in Klingon so you wouldn't need oh, that's to know true. what it actually I wouldn't means. need to know. Or I wouldn't get to know. And he's like, I made you this tea to thank you for keeping my secrets. And I was like, it's called HIPAA Wharf. <laughs> I was like, she has to follow HIPAA. <laughs> well, there's, HIPAA doesn't exist in, in Starfleet. Uh, the, 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 the ship's captain is usually uh, made aware of issues with crew. Oh, that's true. I think in the army, that's true, too. I don't think HIPAA exists in the army because like your commanding officer gets to know what's wrong with you or whatever. Yeah, because it's a it's a, a readiness issue. The, 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 the doctor will usually just, you know, there's no real. Uh, I mean, there's sometimes doctor patient confidentiality when they need to invoke it. But usually it's just everyone's just the captain knows what's up. Right. Yeah. So then they send Riker down to the planet. I guess they, they got the distress signal and they send Riker down. And I guess we didn't have the budget for an away team. <laughs> no, um, because... he just off screen goes down and then he uh, beams up because it, there's like something wrong with their planet. They have to abandon it. So they're, they're like, all right, well, let's beam up the colony. And the colony is just a bunch of like stereotypical Henry. Irish <laughs> farmers. Yeah. And yeah. like complete with like you know like fiddle music playing and everything and there's like you know, I know who was playing that music? Uh, obviously, <laughs> it was the the you know the background. It wasn't actual music going on. Like I, I was trying music. to figure that just, out. I was like, is the show just playing us some folksy Titanic music here, or yeah. or is that actually playing on the Enterprise? I think if it was actually playing, you would have seen the them. Uh, with the instruments playing it because they, that's they're, true yeah because they're like uh they're kind of like a um i think that they they mentioned it was like some new philosophy that emerged after world war three where people like tried to return to it's kind of like a, an amish neo transcendentalism is what they called it that's yeah. what they called it right where you just try to return to uh living in harmony with nature and all that stuff so, right like Ralph Waldo Emerson was a transcendentalist Walden yeah. uh no Thoreau <laughs> the, the name of the pond is Walden was a transcendentalist but like that was all just a facade though because like we all found out later on that Walden's parents owned the property he lived on and stuff. I just have to bring that up because it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> it's Pretty we much think- any time somebody goes off and lives on a commune and stuff like that, it's 
because they usually have the money to rich. do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yes, neo transcendentalism, and so they went off to go be Amish, uh, <laughs> be Irish Amish, Irish Amish. Yeah, and then while they were doing that, their friends split off to another planet and became five people. <laughs> right, because their their ship crashed on their planet, and only five of them survived, which wasn't enough for them to you know breed. So they decided to go with cloning instead. But before right. they even get to there, they're still dealing with all of the the Irish stereotypes on the ship, and of course, Riker sees a a, a fiery. Um, uh, Irish uh, woman who's screaming at everyone else, but as soon as she sees him, she's you know lifting up her skirt so he can see her ankles, <laughs> and then her stomach, and then she just runs around the whole rest of the episode in a crop top. I was like, that's an interesting and bold choice. <laughs> it was weird too because like when when she's like uh, uh, when she asks Riker if there's any place on the ship for her to wash her feet, he's like, well, I'll, I'll show you all the amenities, and then like the next time we see him, sh- he takes her to his quarters, but she's in a different outfit. Oh, was the outfit different? I didn't know. Yeah, because she was in that red dress to start, and then she was in the green thing with the the, uh, the the crop top. And I'm just like, when when did they change? Because it wasn't like they had sex and then went to his quarters for a costume change. She changed her costume between then. So like, and and it because especially because you know she comes on to him in his quarters, and it's clear that they haven't had sex yet. So. I don't know. I did that. That costume change just seemed like was it a production yeah. error? I don't know because the whole scene was weird. Because I was like, "There's probably a million places on the ship for you to wash your feet off that are not Riker's personal bedroom," <laughs> you know. But 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 that's where she ended up because that's where Riker wanted her to be. So maybe there was time that passed, but it didn't feel like there was time because he led her away from the holding area they were holding them in. How many how many large holding areas do they have for people on their ship? Oh, well, they called that Cargo Bay 7, so there's at least seven of at them. At least seven, yeah. So before we move forward with the plot, I want to stop here and I want to ask a question about how alcohol works when it okay. comes out of the replicator. <laughs> right. Because it, it gives you all the happy effects, but there's no downside, right? Ah, so you you might have uh, mentioned when uh, the uh, the leader of the colony asks Worf for for uh, alcohol, and and uh, Worf's like, oh, you can use the uh, replicators. He's like, oh, it's not that synthahol uh, bilge that uh, O'Brien tried to give us. He's like, and Worf's like, no, no, no. If you want, it could be real alcohol. So, oh, okay. I kind of sort of misunderstood then that he was so they were actually drinking real alcohol. Yes, synthahol is it's like alcohol, but all of the deleterious effects can be willed away. At, at a moment but okay. no they were drinking actual alcohol but you know for of course he orders a whiskey and i guess the ship's whiskey is kind of a uh whatever the whiskey pattern on uh, on the ship is kind of tame and so then wharf orders like a klingon, klingon beverage that's, yeah it's <laughs> got like got like the uh, the dry ice effect so that you know oh wow this must be really something and you know of course the guy turns into a cartoon character he the turns into he a disney it. cartoon character i know it was so <laughs> annoying i was like it was like some old cartoon that you'd see like saturday morning at 10 a.m like i was like oh, this is so weird <laughs> But yeah, okay, so I misunderstood the wharf part of it then, because when he said that, I thought he meant you just need to try a different type of synthahol or whatever. And so I was confused as to why they were so upset about that. But why does alcohol that still has all the negative effects like that could kill you still exist at that time? Well, I mean, uh, the replicator can make anything, right? So yeah. like 
the only reason it wouldn't make it is if they like actually actively banned it. And I can understand maybe they put a, a restriction on. It. Obviously, you know, you can't order it if you're under 21. But um, right. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just, well, alcohol does exist, but you could have synthahol because it doesn't have any of the deleterious effects. So, you know, your liver's OK. Right. Yeah. It seemed weird to be like, well, yeah, of course you can have real alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. And so I guess I, I but now I understand a little bit, but better that the replicator still can make um, yeah. other alcohol. So well, then, there's, there's reasons to replicate alcohol other than for drinking it anyway. It's you like know, cooking cleaning and, solvents. And there's all yeah. sorts of reasons. Yeah. Um. So then they find out there's this other planet where the other tech, more technologically advanced part of this exploration expedition had gone. Right. Yeah off to another planet and then they get there and they don't realize it's clones. And so Dr. Pulaski has to fill them in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it seemed pretty obvious by the third or fourth one, it was clones to me, <laughs> but they're all like quadruplets. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you notice? Cause yeah, they had the one shot where they cast triplet actors for, for the scene. And then like another one walks behind them, but it's in a different shot. So I assume they had triplets and then they just right. had one of them go and double, but it, it would make sense for, if you're going to have a planet of clones. Okay. We're putting out a casting call for twins and triplets. Right. Cause then you could just have them in different shots and stuff. Yeah. I think, um, except the main guy, like the the prime minister, we saw a couple others of him, but only one at a time. That's true. So, so he must not have been a twin. So they wanted. So they've been cloning, and they're. Well, what did Pulaski call it? She called it fatigue. Is that what she called it? I don't remember the exact term, but basically, it's uh, clones of clones fade. of clones. It's like they they fade after time, and and that's yeah. actually kind of um, telomere shortening is a real thing that happens. Uh, with uh, clones, and I think that with like early clones uh, of animals, they would live like maybe half the time uh, of of a regular animal. Yeah, um, and it's something we've you know learned to, to repair. There there are ways to increase telomere length because uh, uh, telomeres are uh, basically a junk code at the end of DNA that is there as a buffer, so that uh, in copying errors, if you lose bits at the end, it's just the junk code, and the uh, the actual important code is still. Uh, still remains intact. Interesting. Okay. But so, it looks like they're running uh, into the limits of that because they've been cloning the same five people for hundreds of years. And in that, they decided that they no longer needed to have sex. Well, I mean, if they had decided to have sex, it would have only given them a few more people before, like, uh, they ran into inbreeding issues. So that wasn't But they an can have sex without having babies. Oh, is that's my point. true. <laughs> like, like, why, why did they like ban sex? Like, that was the weirdest thing I had heard. I was like, what do you mean you turned off sex? You guys, you're still making tons and tons of clones. You can still have sex. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand because that's the part of the whole problem is then when, because immediately I was like, you just got to hook these two people back together. <laughs> Which know? is the and obvious solution the at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. But they uh, want to maintain their cloning. They don't, they're like, look, we haven't had sex in hundreds of years it's kind of disgusting to us now so uh we just we would just like to have uh samples of uh crew dna so that we can replenish our stock and then it will first off records like you can't have my dna i know so one time i was watching a cooking show i don't remember what cooking show but it was like a competition type thing and this kid didn't get first place and he storms out of the back room when it's not his turn and says my mommy raised a champion 
<laughs> and we say that a lot in my house. And um, and it reminded me of that because I was like, what the hell, Riker? Like, I didn't I did not understand Riker's sentiment. Did you understand? Would you give your DNA to the alien men? Um, I think, well, just the idea of, you know, having a clone of yourself is, can be a little unsettling. I mean, I, I feel like you should be able to consent to somebody. Oh, yes. I'm not you. saying that it was good for them to take it against their will. I just did not relate to Riker's adamant. No, I will not give you my DNA. <laughs> and it also seems weird, too, because, like, I'm sure there would have been crew members who have been like, yeah, you can take my DNA. That's fine. I, I don't care. I'm not coming back to this planet. If there's copies of me roaming around, I'm never going to see them. Yeah. And my notes say this is stupid. Clone me. They can have my DNA. <laughs> but Pulaski does point out that it doesn't matter if they get an infusion of new clones because they're still going to run into the same issue in a couple hundred years. If they don't start having babies clones. like normal people. Yeah. If they don't. Yeah. So uh, they decide, OK, well, we've got a bunch of refugees. You can't live on their planet anymore. You've got a whole bunch of infrastructure and technology. Uh, ha have some breeding stock. And at first they're just like, oh, we don't want to deal with this you know uh irish riffraff they're you know you expect us to mate with our lessers and it was it was a you know like a, a kind of a classism like anti-immigration kind of a thing but then yeah. they resolve it with like a handshake or whatnot you know they're like you know we don't have time to deal with the the uh class uh, uh shit but uh oh but before they uh before they get to that solution though they do uh like stun pulaski and Riker and steal some uh uh, epithelial cells uh, without their consent from so the inside of their stomach that apparently the tricorder thingy can see that like individual cells are gone out of their stomach. Well, I mean, if it was from a specific area, they probably I mean, they probably took, you know, a substantial amount so that they could, you know, make lots of clones. Uh, so it's probably enough that it's like, oh, yep, there's a well, and she could probably see just the giant needle hole <laughs> through them. <laughs> yeah, the giant needle hole is true. <laughs> Those were not thin needles. And then they somehow just automatically got into the super secret clone room and killed their own clones, which is, you know, something I always thought would be fun. That was a wonderful just like Riker does an abortion. I know. Like he just walks in there and is like, nips. <laughs> and they, they even treat it like you murdered them. It's like, no, I didn't murder anything. You had no rights to use my cells and I don't consent to this. So, yeah, um, it was a, a yeah, it was a good way to do. And like, I, I think like uh, uh, pro-life groups picked up on that. were pretty upset about it. And it's like, well, well, screw you. <laughs> It's just, a, yes, <laughs> screw you, because we even say in the next episode that, you know, we should have a choice to do what we want to with our body or whatever. I think it's the next episode they said that. And then, then uh -huh. Deanna, and Deanna's like, oh, and I agree or whatever. It was a weird moment. Um, so it seems like maybe they were having those discussions in the writer's room because it feels like there was two different references to my body, my choice, you know, in mm -hmm. these two episodes. And I thought that was interesting. Um so I really want someone to take Brenna aside, though, and tell her to tone it down like a lot and maybe explain that money isn't real. She's a stereotype. <laughs> you can't like they're True. all stereotypes. She's a gold digger, but the money isn't real anymore <laughs> like somebody I, I mean i don't know someone might want to just explain that to her I, well <laughs> money doesn't exist in the federation but keep in mind that this uh colony was formed before the federation even found it like uh they, they they didn't even come from like a uh 
a united earth government they were from the european hegemony i think is what they called it so, and that's where i learned how to pronounce that word by the way i had only read really? it before i thought it was hegemony i'm not even gonna lie i have read shadow of the hegemon and i, I did not know <laughs> i don't know i just i heard picard say it and i said what word did he just say and i looked down at the subtitles and i was like oh that's how you say that word but yeah, I mean, obviously the Irish colony had money because they're talking about it. So I assume that the other colony also has money. When they uh, d- decide, OK, we're just going to have them merge. They say, OK, now in order for there to be enough genetic material, uh, y'all are going to have to throw monogamy out the window. Uh, everyone gets to have uh, three different uh, uh, like every woman should have uh, three different kids by three different fathers. Um and it doesn't really seem like it takes much convincing for the men to agree to that. <laughs> and, and, and Brandon is like, oh, of course, all you men folk are happy to make that decision for the, for us. And Poirot's like, well, if you don't want to, you could just come along with the ship. And then she's like, well, I don't know. That guy's kind of cute. And he rich, though. I know. She immediately is just go off to go find another rich guy to hook up with. I know. Um, I don't know. I didn't I didn't hate this episode, but I didn't have feel like this episode had a lot of value. Like, it's a I was, really goofy one. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of like the one where they find the three Americans, Sonny and and the other people. <laughs> like it was kind of like, okay, this is an interesting concept, but I wanted it to be more full. I don't know how to explain it better than that. I just felt like cuz like you said, the B plot ended in the first 7 minutes of the episode. So the whole episode was these two planets and whether or not we can come up with some sort of solution. And then the solution ends up being we'll just leave them here together to figure it out for themselves but that's fine i mean it seems like a good solution because the other com the other country not country the other colony colony has um has like the resources to help and they can't stay on the solar flare planet so i mean it all kind of just it almost fit together too nicely at the end well, I don't know that it fit together too nicely. I mean, it, it's uh, um, it's an issue that we're seeing now with uh, countries that have limited immigration policies like Japan. Uh, they are having the, uh, um, the average uh, age of the Japanese person just keeps going up. There's just so many elderly people. And because they don't have they have such strict immigration, there's just there's not a good there's not enough young people to replace them. Mm. Um and they're they're going to have they're having a real crisis with that. That's interesting. It, and if they would take immigrants and stop being racist about it, you know, they would solve right. that problem. And it's uh, that's basically what this situation is just in sci-fi terms with clones. Right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so this next episode we're going to talk about is called Manhunt. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to the title. <laughs> <laughs> It's the 19th episode of the second season. It aired on the 19th of June, 1989. It was written by Terry Devereaux and directed by Rob Bowman. So, uh, Luxana Troy's back. Yes, I was very excited about this. I like to call her mommy. I don't know why. (laughs) It's just what I started calling her after the last episode. And actually, it really surprised me when you texted me earlier because you, I don't know how you didn't pick up on this, but you didn't know that that was Majel Barrett before. No, I didn't. Like, I know that Majel Barrett is the computer, and I know that Majel Barrett is Nurse Chapel, but I did not somehow connect the dot between Majel Barrett being Luxana and being 
Nurse Chapel. I did not realize they were the same person. So they literally, oh. she literally talks to herself in this episode. I know. That's a cute <laughs> yeah. moment where she just has a conversation with the ship's... And sure, they deliberately wrote this like, oh, let's have Luxana talk to herself. Yeah, they had to have. Yeah. <laughs> this episode also had a very interesting cameo. Uh, I don't know if you're paying attention to uh, the, the intro credits where they said there was a special guest appearance. No, I, I was too busy freaking out that she was Major Barrett, I think. <laughs> I usually do pay attention. That's how I figured out she was Major Barrett. <laughs> so the fish people uh, on the ship, one of them was actually uh, stunt casting. Uh, he was played by Mick Fleetwood. I did see that. Mick Fleetwood was like, yeah, I'd like to go on and play an alien. He gets like one line of dialogue. He just stands there looking like a weird fish thing. You cannot tell that it's him at all. Unless you look closely and you're like, yeah, those look like his lips. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, that, that's assuming you know what he looks like. <laughs> right i did see that in there and i was like okay i saw that name but then i saw major Barrett and got completely distracted right. and so i'm not wrong to believe that you're you mean mick fleetwood from fleetwood mac right yes that yeah. very oh fleetwood yes interesting he he was just playing seattle the other day did you know that i did not know that huh or maybe it's coming up it's it's like in the next couple of days or something huh. anyway um yeah no i saw that name and then i saw Major barrett and i was just like wait <laughs> i missed something major so he was one of the fish people they were so racist about well luxana was so racist about and wesley and was wesley. a little racist about he knows better like we know from last season when he was like oh i know everything about this race i need to be a dick to this guy that's how they talk to each other mm -hmm. like it's they have written wesley so weird this season like they completely have forgotten his chosen one trope type thing and they're just like here's a dumb kid to ask dumb kid questions and it's kind of bothering me do you know what i mean uh, Maybe it'll yeah. get better when his mom's back. Maybe he's just going through a phase. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I need you to come back to the Enterprise. I'm getting racist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so after I had my Meg Fleetwood and Rachel Barrett, that's those are two. And yep. <laughs> so then it turns out that she. So the first thing is we've got some frozen fish guys. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and they have to bring them on board and, and Pulaski is going to take care of them and defrost them right before it's time to. Yeah, they're in hibernation because yeah. that's how they travel through space because space travel for them is and very stressful. And there's then there's an, a shuttle approaching and the shuttle is approaching and I see they cut to Deanna and I'm like, Deanna, why would they cut to Deanna? And you see her face and she quickly sits up out of the chair and I went, it's her mom, it's her mom, it's her mom, it's her mom. <laughs> <laughs> was right i was so excited and i had not i had not read the description so i was very excited and then my favorite moment of the entire episode was uh loxana trying to get picard to carry her suitcase again because that was one of my favorite lines from last episode and, and then Riker's like, no, like, no 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 let, let mr Holmes do it and then Riker's like no i could do it and he I tried can do it. it and it's very clearly it must weigh like 150 pounds she was trying to embarrass picard i think mm-hmm <laughs> oh, Luxana. <laughs> and Riker, he's like, no, no, it's fine. I can pick. And like, he, he tries to pick it up and it doesn't even budge. And he's like, yeah, I can carry it. And then he's just like leaning over, like basically like the, the, the center of gravity from picking that thing up just goes so much that he's just like, his head is just like three feet hanging over his feet. <laughs> it's like watching Mando fight with the Darksaber. I know. <laughs> Um, 
so the whole plot is that Majel, Bar- I'm sorry, no, <laughs> Lexana is going through the change, as we would call it the as phase. humans. The, but the phase, and so she's, my okay so i said the other moment was my favorite moment but there's the moment where deanna is sitting next to Riker, and she uh-huh. says he says well she says that the sex drive can quadruple and she's like or more and he's like he's or like, more you didn't warn me about that she's like i didn't want to i didn't want to scare you <laughs> it was so good <laughs> So the whole thing is that she just wants to, like, I, I don't know why this woman needs to marry somebody to hook up with them. She strikes me I as the kind of woman that just screws whoever she wants. I think it's wants. a propriety thing. I, I mean, uh, she's, you know, a, a Federation official. She's the ambassador for Beta Z. I think there's probably a, a status issue where she can't just sleep with just any random person. Um, I imagine if she had just been like a commoner, it wouldn't have been an issue. But uh, because of her status uh it would be embarrassing for her to just sleep around i think which is okay for for a species that's telepathic they should have gotten rid of all those inhibitions long ago because of this she's decided well i'm just going to go marry someone on the ship and of course she has her sight set on picard because he's the captain and so picard decides well i better uh, make myself unavailable and so he goes and uh boots up uh dixon hill on the holodeck to, which uh, has all the locks we all know because no one ever interrupts a holodeck experience <laughs> <laughs> well she doesn't Luxana is technologically illiterate like it, it she actually just like has to talk to the computer to even find out that she can find where other people are she doesn't really know how the transporter works like she freaks out when she's beamed aboard and facing the other way and thinking that her legs aren't there and you know she's she's a boomer (laughs) she is a boomer (laughs) but uh because picard's not available she's like well why don't i just start going through the rest of of the crew and like grossly like for half a second considers wesley and i'm like stay the hell away from the literal child and uh, she's as soon as she's like, well, I'm not, no, no, I can't wait for you to grow up. And then she like immediately looks over at Worf. And you know what? She should have stuck with Worf because Worf would have been like, yes, let's uh, let's try to break this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in the end it was going to end up being Data actually was going to be the one to be able to satisfy her. I mean, he's fully functional, right? And he won't like she won't annoy the shit out of him. And he's not a person. So well, <laughs> the problem is he annoys the shit out of her. Because remember, when she tricked Picard into having a romantic dinner with her, he called in Data to like cock block him to to (laughs) cock block to to just give a whole bunch of just like irrelevant, you know, small talk uh, conversations. So that Picard very, very uh, encouraging. Oh, man, Data, that's so interesting. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But he had seen Data cock block so much. He was like, you know, I have the perfect solution for this. That's right. (laughs) Get in here, Data. <laughs> I, I think another one of my favorite moments. I, I apparently I just really love these episodes with the mom. But another one of my favorite moments is that Luxana comes on to the bridge, and Deanna's like, "You can't just stroll on here." And I'm like, "Everybody just strolls onto the bridge. What are you talking about?" Not only does everyone stroll on the bridge, she's literally a Federation ambassador. Like, I'm pretty sure she outranks Picard. Oh, <laughs> so, really? I didn't know yeah. that. So that's why they're so weird about the ambassador stuff. Yeah. Now, I mean, some some diplomats, I mean, I think in general, it's probably be- 
bad decorum for her to just stroll on the bridge without, you know, checking with the captain and stuff. But she does kind of outrank him, so she gets to do what she wants. She does. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So then in the end, she ends up crashing the holodeck. Surprise, surprise, which was after after deciding that she's going to marry Riker. Which oh, yeah, I almost left that part like, out. We can't forget that part. And Deanna's like, you can't pick him. And she's like, why not? You, you, you haven't picked him. She's um, basically like, yeah, I'm just going to marry your boy. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, and also, Luxana has some like really regressive views on men. It's almost like it's like she's they're trying to write her as a male sexist. It's how I took it. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, because it, it felt like this feels a lot like misogyny, like or I guess the word is misandry, even though that's kind of a different thing because um, yeah. it doesn't have the same you know uh structural uh, uh systems in place but even so it was just she's like you really are just kind of like objectifying men in a kind of gross way and at one point i thought she was gonna hook up with mr hom because of that as well because she basically saw all the men equally and like since he was there and available i was like maybe she'll just marry him yeah. Oh, Mr. Hum, that reminds me. When Picard comes to dinner at first, he he has he brings a carafe of some uh, uh, alcoholic drink and like you know that he brought it as a party favor, but he hands it to Hum and Hum just immediately downs the entire thing in a single gulp. <laughs> and Picard's just like up up. <laughs> yeah. I know, and he's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything here. And of course, we couldn't go with the dinner without the gong. I mean, oh, I was course. so glad we made sure the gong was there. Bong. <laughs> Um, so yes, so she's decided she's going to marry Riker and then she goes to get dressed in her fancy 80s dress and, um, and then she asks the computer where the captain is or where Riker is. I can't remember which one she's looking for at that point, but she asks the computer and she talks to herself and the computer just shows her the way (laughs) and she just walks into Dixon Hill and doesn't even realize that it's not. Yeah. And that was now when you were explaining the like the, they, they foreshadowed that she didn't know technology because she didn't know the turbo lift and all that. I was like, that made more sense when you were just explaining it at first. I was like, how come she's never seen a holodeck before? So she's attracted to the bartender guy, Rex, because yeah. she can't read his thoughts, which is exactly why Sookie Stackhouse is, <laughs> is attracted to the vampire in the vampire books. Right. But um, so I was like, oh, she's Sookie Stackhousing him. She can't read his thoughts. And I thought, what's wrong with like, like, why? I guess she can't marry a hologram, but why can't she do the hologram? I was like, why do they need like the I mean, why was she so offended? Can they it, have sex with the holograms? Yes, uh, you can have sex with holograms. Uh, Deep Space Nine makes that a little more explicit because Quark's bar has some holosuites, which are usually just all sex programs. All right. Um, so, yeah, you could totally doink in the holodeck and, you know, uh, that's generally considered that's probably most of what happens in the holodeck just off hours. There's I, I, I don't remember. I think it's in a couple seasons here where like Riker uh, is like he there's like a passenger who is trying to come onto him, but like he can't sleep with her. And like he just walks off and he just goes, uh, computer, if anyone needs me, I'll be in holodeck four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, so why can't... Because, like, if the whole point is that she's got all this pent-up sexual frustration, work it out, honey. (laughs) Like, there's ways. There's data. There's the holodeck. There's all these ways that you could just work that sexual frustration out. I don't understand why she doesn't have her own ship. Right? Like, she's rich. 
She's she is. A, she's a diplomat. It makes sense that she would have her own ship, and then she could have a holodeck on that ship, and then she could go and work it out without having to sexually harass uh, an entire Starfleet crew. Right. I mean, because that's what it was, right? Oh, it was absolutely sexual <laughs> harassment, but, you know, it was the, the late 80s, and it was a woman doing it, so it's played for laughs. Um, right. And, you know... it most of what she's doing it's not like she's actually like assaulting people it's just she's being very creepy about it so creepy but you know it's funny because you know it's it's major barrett she's and she's good she's good she's, at the comedy and, and you know she's she's harmless she's annoying but she's not you know she's she wouldn't actually rape somebody like that right because she could tell if you would want it or not and you know obviously her psychic abilities are kind of on the fritz because of you know, the phase. So she's because she's usually very accurate at reading people's minds. And she does use that to correct effect in this episode in in the end. But for the most part, she's just she's just making it up. I think she's projecting yeah. her own sexual feelings onto other people. And that's why she's reading it. Yeah. Or she's lying. I couldn't tell which one. I couldn't tell if she was it just like, oh, yeah. are you you know, like she's implying, oh, you're so into me. Ha ha ha. But that's just her joke or whatever. And nobody but her and the other person will know if it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I, th- I-, I thought the episode was interesting. Um, I do want to take a moment to talk about Worf and the Fishmen. Yes. <laughs> Why did he like them so much? Like, w- what was it about him? Well, Worf has always been portrayed as like. Well, do you remember when Riker made the really gross eggs that nobody liked, but Worf yeah. thought they were delicious? It's kind of like that thing. Worf is an alien, so his standards of what tastes good and what looks good, like, you know, his uh, everyone, when they see what Klingon sex is, they're like, oh, my God, that's insane. But, of course, he's Klingon, so it's totally normal right. to him. It's normal, yeah. I just thought it was so interesting because they kept coming back to it, having him. And, but it was that it was that racism, right? They were trying to show like right. it's different because racist or Worf is from a different race. So well, also Worf, Worf calls out Wesley's racism. He's just like, I, you know, uh, did it, you think that way of me or whatever? Yeah, and then and then Wesley gave the worst answer possible. He's like, you know, I did it first, but then I met some other Klingons, and now I think you're pretty handsome for a Klingon. <laughs> That didn't come out right. <laughs> that did not come out right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just thought it was a really interesting writing for Worf. These two episodes both had interesting writing for Worf because it uh-huh. had the building the relationship with Pulaski and then this this fish, you know, I would call it like a C plot with him being attracted to the fish people. Like they're very handsome race or whatever. You I don't think saying. it was that he's attracted. I think he's admiring them. And my them admiration, that is far more of an yeah. accurate word. Yeah. What was going on with Dixon Hill? Was was Picard just so frazzled by Luxana? How come he like I, I was like, OK, he wants to he goes into Dixon Hill and he's Dixon Hill in it up. And then he's like, oh, this is too violent. Yeah, you're in a Dixon Hill novel, friend. Like, what do you want here? (laughs) I think he probably, like, ideally he should have just been like, you know, look, I want to hang out here and get get the ambiance. And he does say eventually uh, less substance, more ambiance, because he's like, look, I just want to, like, hang out without having any, like, story beats happening. I just kind of want to chill. Uh, yeah, so, I just thought it was a weird choice because he knows what Dixon Hill is. It was funny to see just like a montage of different people bursting into his <laughs> office trying I to know. kill him. And actually, it was good. One of the guys who came in, the guy with the scar on his face and the big bug eyes, uh, that guy, uh, that actor plays Gowron, who is like a long running recurring Klingon uh, character that we should be meeting here soon. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Um, and like, I, I didn't know that beforehand, but when I saw him and I saw his big bug eyes, I was just like, oh, that's Gowron for sure. It's hard <laughs> to t- like he, his face isn't like memorable enough on its own for me to tell with with the Klingon makeup off. But the eyes that were a dead giveaway. Interesting. Yeah, I love how they reuse the characters or the the actors, not the characters, but the actors. I love how they get to they'll continually come back. There's some people who play like five different people, right? Like I'll look it up in the memory alpha after watching and I'll be like, oh, this person's in another episode, but it's a totally different character. I think you know? Jeffrey Combs has played like eight or nine different characters. Von Armstrong has played like 13. 13 um, you'll even i know enterprise actually had several uh cast members from like previous shows playing different characters like renea bourgeois who plays odo on deep space nine he had a character on enterprise i think uh the guy who played neelix uh played a ferengi in an episode of enterprise and um then oh, who else oh brent spiner came back uh as playing uh an ancestor of the guy who built data Oh. So, you know, you you get a so lot of assume. that. Yeah, assume. So you get a lot of that. Um, well, I always liked that in the Buffyverse, too. Like uh-huh. when you like you'd be watching something like Supernatural. And I think in the time of, <laughs> of Supernatural's existence of it's like 14 seasons. 15, I think yeah. you, is it 15? <laughs> yeah, I, think it's 15. I still haven't watched the last couple of seasons, but you get every single cast member of Buffy at some point takes it has a guest star except for Willow and except for Buffy, like the two biggest people, right. everybody at some point. Cause you kind of just start to expect it, right? Like, Oh, we're going to see these guys. We're going to see these guys, but it just, it's that, it's that special kind of that guy who that we mm-hmm. have in nerdy shows that yeah. they all kind of circle around in. Cause there's that guy who's on like, I think in like, like my examples, law and order and shows like that, but there's or a special Mark circle Shepherd. of them. Mark Shepard. Yeah. But he even circles into the nerdy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that certain circle of, Oh, we only know him because we're into nerdy shows. You right. know, and there it's like, oh, yeah, he's the, like, I remember, I, you know, my people always ask, would say, who's Mark Shepard? And I'd always say the lawyer from Battlestar Galactica. And that was what I first that was the very first role where I remembered him as a human being was that one. And then I always referenced him as that guy. For me, I always go to Badger on Firefly. That's that's where I think of him first. Right. And then I saw that after. So I didn't see Firefly for a long time, but that's that kind of thing. Right. So I love those nerdy in circle things. And Star Trek has a lot of it. And it just it makes you feel that cozy, warm feeling of being a nerd and recognizing the other nerdy characters or actors that play in a lot of nerdy shows. That's why people go to conventions and stuff. Right. And then sometimes you have rock stars play aliens. Right. Suddenly Mick Fleetwood <laughs> is a fish guy. You know? uh, Iggy Pop is in D- an episode of Deep Space Nine. He plays an alien. Actually, he's a pretty really? memorable character. Yeah, it's a, that's a fun one. Interesting. Yeah, you just you, you get people. I mean, uh, there have been all sorts of, of uh, like or special walk on roles like Mae Jemison, the first African-American woman mm-hmm. in space. Uh, she gets a cameo um i think the president of jordan was had like a walk-on role on voyager huh. at one point interesting he's, he's a huge trekkie i think he actually built his own like trek theme park in jordan <laughs> wow um so yeah like you, you get a lot of just you, you get uh, a lot of the recurring actors who are like yep that's that dude who's always in sci-fi things and then you also get the hey i uh bought overpriced scalp tickets to see that dude once 
<laughs> um, speaking of conventions, don't we have one coming here to where we live in here yes. in Seattle? So Star Trek Mission Chicago just ended, which was the first uh, official Star Trek convention held since uh, the pandemic started. And right. they announced that next year, I think May of next year, the next one is going to be Mission Seattle. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. We definitely got to go to that. We're definitely got to go. I think we should cosplay as something and not Armus. I know I keep joking that I want to cosplay as Armus. I have a couple costume choices. I've actually got um, Picard's suede jacket that he wears in season five. Yeah, um, that sounds really cool. So I might wear that. <laughs> I don't know if I'd do like a full cosplay because I don't have like the gray undershirt for it or anything like that. But I, I might just wear the jacket and just with regular clothes underneath. Keep yeah. the com badge on. People um, will know what it is for sure. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows what it is. Um, it would be cool to, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure uh, Amanda knows people who could like, if we try and get like a, a panel or something, get on a panel. I think it'd be, be cool to do a panel, you know, at the end. I mean, at that point, we'll be almost through TNG, I believe. So I think it'll be an interesting time for us I in the podcast, we'll in, like, too. Season six or seven at that point. Yeah. Well, so thanks for joining us today. I'm Hari. And I'm Gayfesh. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash restofbothworlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode. 